0: Okay, guys, got your characters ready? Let's hear your backstories. I'm an orphan. And? I have no family. I know what an orphan is. <sighs> Lou? Lou? trade's uh, the raid's almost done. Hold on. Uh, when you're done raiding and r- writing weak backstories, let's talk about five things players do that the DMs hate. This week on the Dungeon Masters Dojo.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Zaponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robotile. Let's send to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Thank you, Bill, because you interrupted me. We didn't complete the raid. They wiped. Oh! Uh... Guess what? Watch
0: this. Touch the little button and the Comcast is shut down.
1: No.
2: I'll turn on my hotspot. Okay. <laughs> well, before we get started. Yes. Yes. I think we need to do a shout out. I and think, yes. Richard A., Sin, and Josh Gray bought us Saki's. Our livers, thank you very much. As uh, as as do the rest of our bodies. Thank you very much for the support. Hold on, hold on. Ah, thank you for the sakis. Thank you very much. And uh, I think it was Josh that wrote something nice. He actually wrote a very nice yep. little stretch there, so. Thank but, you very much, Josh. Yes, and uh, say something nice or mean, we don't care. You're buying us a sasaki. so. With that out of the way, thank you guys so much for your support. It's it's very much so appreciated. And Stuff it like, a lot. Yeah, it does, it does. It does. Stuff like that uh, means that we can maintain and upgrade equipment, which is, is huge because it's not, it's not cheap. No, it's <laughs> no. not.
0: Especially with loose tastes and equipment.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I can't keep working all these overtime hours to support it. So... <laughs> Buy uh buy a, buy a sake's if you want. Support the Dungeon Masters Dojo podcast by going over to Buy Me a Coffee and uh, making a a small contribution.
0: Every little bit helps. To the and, Dojo Coffee, and we we appreciate it because we it's a validation that we're giving you what you want to hear. Yeah, yeah, not, that's not nice. ju- not just us just spouting what's on the top of our heads, which we're going to do anyways, but validation that people are actually listening and want to hear what we're saying which is which is nice it is very much so so thank you
1: it yep very much so but i think we want to hear what scott has to say
2: next in celebration of 1 year of podcasting we are holding a giveaway of epic proportions everything you need to get started running games four dice trays 12 complete sets of dice four crown royal bags the D&D Essentials Kit, the D&D Starter Kit, Horde of the Dragon Queen D&D Adventure, the Young Adventurers Collection, Nerdarchies, Out of the Box Encounters, Brass and Steel Steampunk Tabletop RPG, OSR Greats, The Rad Hack, Into the Odd, and White Box Fantastic Medieval Adventure Game. But that's not all. The Curse of Strahd Revamped is included as well. This complete list goes to one lucky winner in the US. We realize we may have asked a lot of you initially, so here's the new and improved way to enter the epic giveaway. Simply go to thedungeonmastersdojo.com, our home on the web, and send us a message. You will automatically be entered into the giveaway for a chance to win. After we receive 500 messages, we will draw one lucky winner. See you next time in the dojo. Well, through the magic of technology and some pretty fine editing skills, I sound knowledgeable. You sound like you should be on a one nine hundred call. Do they still have those? Because I'm always up for making a little extra money.
1: Uh, we need the extra money.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I'm I, I, not quite a sake but you know. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, I, with all the items we're giving away, you know that comes out of our pockets as well this is true
2: yeah and thunder down under has not returned my call so i think that's (laughs) that's a career option that's uh out for me unfortunately i'd probably i got a dodgy knee though I, i can't i can't do that those crazy dance moves and i don't really have the behind for the chaps anymore you know so Thank God. I guess, <laughs> I guess it's <laughs> I guess it's the telephone line for me, That's huh? It's the telephone line for you now. Oh, the shit I do to uh, keep us in technology. Wow. All right. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: There's some visions. I'm well, we have just a- earned our explicit rating <laughs> right out of the gate, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, normally, it's me. Jeez, Why dilly-dally? <laughs> right? Let's get right let's, down let's to get,
1: it. Let's get into it. Five things players do that DMs hate.
2: Yes. They're, believe it or not, um there are and and this is a short list. If if you were to look at Bill's list, it'd be a lot longer. Uh I don't know if it do you remember for three part you, series. Yeah. For those of you that are our age, do you remember the Encyclopedia Britannica that <laughs> ev- almost everybody had in their home? Yep. That's how we did research. That was our Google. Um that that would come close to containing Uh, Bill's list of things that players do that DMs hate. But we're going to touch the tip of the iceberg. So go for it. Touch the tip. Of the iceberg. (laughs) Table
1: talk. Just the iceberg.
2: Just. (laughs) Table talk. Table talk. Table talk. When you are trying to narrate. Bill,
1: did you? (laughs)
2: Yeah, that artfully demonstrated there, by Luke. There you go. Yeah, table talk uh, drives me
1: nuts. I think that's why I like the virtual thing now because there's not a lot of table talk.
2: It's, for some reason, the virtual thing pulls the plug on the table talk because you're you're not sitting next to the person so you can have it. those side conversations.
1: Yep. And nobody wants to overstep somebody because they know they won't be heard. Right. Whereas when we're at the table and if this table talk, now the DM, like I'm just talking to Bill, the, the DM could be still talking and we're not really paying attention. Right. We're going to miss points.
0: Yeah.
2: Yep.
1: And, you know, it's rude.
2: And I think sometimes players don't realize they're doing it. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to say that, you know, you got, y'all got a bunch of rude players out there that are doing it kind of intentionally to be disruptive. I, I just don't think players realize they're doing it most of the time. Well, could they be bored? They certainly could be. They could be bored. They could be bored. They could be. They could be kind of formulating, formulating a plan yeah. with another player. Especially, you get two players that really know their their stuff with spell casting, and they could be very dangerous to your your bad guys, to yep. your mobs. As you right? found oh, out. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's awesome. You know, that's that level of creativity that I think you really, as a DM, you need to reward
1: that curb talking you, at the table you gotta curb
2: yeah. the you gotta curb the table talk especially if you're giving information that's really important to the storyline the campaign overall because someone's going to miss it it'll be it'll definitely be the two or three or how many players are engaging in the table talk but that may be a distraction to some of those other players that are trying to listen pay attention pay attention
0: no you're right I. Uh, and I could see where, like you said, there's instances where they want to. It's formulate a plan. If you know there isn't being plot points put across, you can sit tell the game manager, "Hey, we're going to step over here real quick and leave the table." Yeah, step step over in the corner just for a couple minutes. I got an idea. Come here, and we're going to step over here for a second. And the game master, wait, "Wait, wait, let me get through this first. Let them hear, you know, the narrative that needs to go on, and then go, okay. And then, because I'm going to concentrate on these guys and you're not there anyway. So go ahead and do what you're going to do and pull off to the side of the table. We've, I've done it before and I've allowed players to do it and And it doesn't disrupt
1: the table. Yeah. We've done it with, um, Scott, that was me, Matt, and somebody else. When you were scheming on me, when you were (laughs) done talking, he said, we're going to take a five minute break. Yep. Perfect time to hatch your plans. Yes. Because the DM's not around number one. Not even there.
2: Yep. And, and it was, uh, it was, it was such a good plan. It was, it was, you know, it was one of those things where I did not expect it. Yeah. You had to walk away when you, I was like, oh my God. But it's those times that are, that are the most entertaining is when your clever players act cleverly. Yes.
0: Those well, those are the ones that are talked about years past. Remember when,
2: you know, and that's something that, you know, in a situation like that, that that's good. You
1: know, you can, you can say to your DM, can we take a break? And that's exactly what we did, if I recall. Yeah. We said, we're going to take a break. And then I know I had a thing going on with uh, Matt. And then I had a thing going on with Coric. Yeah. And um, so we had multiple angles going on. But the whole thing is we said, can we take a break? So we did not interrupt you. Uh, because if we did, if we talked, like if it was me and Matt, we would have missed everything you had said. Right. So we use our you know time to say, hey, give us five minutes so we know what's coming up. Or just give us a break and... We hatched our plan without this way. It didn't interfere with you, and I think we've done that with Bill. Yeah, you have. Yep, yep. And it's
2: it's a good way to give a little bit of respect to your DM for the time and preparation that they put into the game. But still, plan plan something out, and always always let your players do a little planning.
0: Well, you can see you you'll see your team, you know, your players, you know, kind of whispering back and forth, and and as a game master, you need to be cognizant of that and go, you know. You guys need a couple of minutes to, to plan? Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going to go up and make a drink, or I'm going to go grab some fungians out of the cabinet. Be aware of your table. Situational awareness. If you see your people you, you whispering back and forth, they're obviously scheming something, so it doesn't disrupt your game and disrupt the table. Give them that five minutes. You know? Yeah. Don't, don't make them, I mean, if they ask for it, saying, you know, hey, I got an idea. Can we have five minutes? Oh, great, okay. But... If you see them and you see this on the verge of that table talk starting to really interrupt and they're not paying attention, I said, tell you what, I'm going to give you guys five minutes so you can figure out your plans. You know, I'm, I'm going to duck upstairs real quick and step away from the table.
1: I, I think the other point is the, the DM needs to really take command of his table and not let his table run him. Yes, yes. Because when you guys run, for the most part, the table's always paying attention. And if we start to deviate, you guys – This is all I hear. Are you guys listening? You're going to miss something important. And then our focus is back.
0: That's what Scott does. I usually just look at and go, roll initiative. Yes, that's true. And like, what? What did I miss? Um, That's why you're rolling initiative. You missed it. Uh, This is the damage you took on the surprise attack. And now we're rolling initiative because now we're in combat. And what? What? What?
1: (laughs) I got your attention now, don't I?
0: So that, yeah, they, Scott, Will, well, you know, socialize and you know, gentlemen. Now we need a couple minutes, and Bill will just come down with the hammer.
2: Spanking your children is not a good way of disciplining them. Take but teaching moments. It makes them learn. Ma- <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the differences between a butcher and a counselor. <laughs> it's it's in the name. It's in the title. <laughs> <laughs> and and. You guys bring up a good point with that. You know, that, that table talk could, could be relevant to the game, and, and in that case, that's okay. Give them that that time. Sometimes it's, it's they're shooting the breeze, you know. They're, they're catching up. Did you watch up. that show, Bill? I did. Hey, you
0: know, thanks for you know, putting me on to that show because I binge-watched like three episodes. Yeah. All right, roll initiative. What? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly, I think, what Scott's point. You know, it's yeah. really yeah. about respect. Um, there's a time to, to talk at the table, Mm-hmm. And is a time to listen.
2: Right. And traditionally on, on Monday nights, though it hasn't happened in a long time, folks would get here between like a, you know, a half an hour roughly before gameplay starts and hang out in the parking lot, like a half an hour after it's over. That's the time to really like shoot the breeze and catch up, you know, yep. come early. If, if you can, if you can't just be understanding that, you know, when you're playing, you're playing and, you know, you don't have really time to catch up.
0: I was big on you know the game opens at, at seven, and at seven whoever's here. If you're not here, I, well, if you called me, say, hey, I'm literally just down the street. Okay, I'll hang five minutes. But I was pretty much a stickler for punctuality, and people would come in and it's like, okay, how you doing? All right, you know, um, have a seat. Get out your character sheet. This is the situation. I pretty much just threw them into the fire without really giving them the opportunity to go through the, the happenstances of the day because then it starts conversations. And, you know, here you got your table talking. You haven't even started your game yet.
2: Right. Before you know it, it's you have an hour of game time left.
0: Right. So you, I kind of quelched it right from the very beginning.
1: Well, I think, like I said, it's taking command of your table and um, taking ownership of it and not letting people just run the table. Right you know um, I,
0: I tell you, it's not social art. we're here to game and exactly. we're going to game at social hour, we'll be in another hour when we take a break we take a 15 and you can catch everyone up then and then hey we we'll, you know, we'll all talk in the parking lot afterwards or we'll talk down here you it's know, snowing out we'll talk in the cellar but assign times for your table talk and that will you know th- when they've come to play they've come to play and when it's time to talk it's
2: time to talk and it is a, it is a respect thing. It's a respect for your your DM who's put a lot of time in in the week to prepare for the game, it's respect for the other players too, who are here to have a good time. And it is, it is, it is a social function, but it's a social function during the game, you know? So it's not, not catch up time. Right. Um And, and Lou brought up a great point. Maybe they're bored, right? So sometimes you'll see that table talk happening when, when your, your players are, are bored. Uh, and that could be from spending too much time with one player character. Right. Not knowing when to to move from one character or one, one half of the group to the other other half of the group. I like to go, like, real fast when the party split up. Okay, what are you guys doing? Here's what here's what happens. Boom, on to the next. So you don't have that. Kills the lag and time. You, right.
1: Exactly. As a matter of fact, I learned that from you guys. So, like, on our virtual game, I think I give everybody – a minute to two minutes to do there yep. before I call on to the next person. I give you two minutes to say, hey, this is what I'm doing. If you're going over, I'm like, okay, I'll come back to you, and I'll go to Bill, then I'll go to Marcus, and then I'll go to Sin, then I'll go to Larry, then I'll go to Jared, and then Frank, or however yep. the order is. Yep. But they all get the same amount of time because if I give Bill 10 minutes, how's that fair to everybody else? Right. And
0: then you get the next person 10 minutes, next person 10 minutes. The people at the end of the line have been sitting there for 40 and 50 minutes twiddling their damn thumbs. Exactly, yeah.
2: They're on yep. their phone rating. Yep. Yeah. Um, it does give you a lot of extra time for, to write a decent, like character backstory. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of, uh, GMs do that when we were, when we've played, um, those times with Hugh rod yep. over at hybrid, uh, uh, check out his podcast hybrid theory. It's a really cool podcast. This guy's smart. Yeah. He's brilliant and <laughs> smart. Yeah. Brilliant. He's, he's like, he's way too smart. For me. <laughs> he's he's got uh he's got one of those jobs that scares me because it requires you to be so smart. And it shows in his in his games, when he runs his games, when he's developed the system, but he has done that kind of like lightning round through the players. Yep. You know, um especially especially when we gamed with him at, at Gen Con. It was like it was quick. You got, you know, and he laid it out. You know, this is how many um, how much time you have, and to come up with, with a, a, a plan for what your action's going to be. So take that time to think about it before I get to you, because I'm going to move on to the next person.
0: Basically, you have a panel in a, in a comic book. Yeah, it, you de- that's de- exactly... De- de- yeah. Describe the panel, yep. boom, done, next.
2: Yep. And that's exactly that's exactly right. That's, that's how it was. And the game... You you may be thinking, oh my God, that's like a kind of a draconian approach, and it's it's totally totally not the vibe at, at his table. It was like, well, we the fastest the, the game four hours.
0: was. We were all action heroes, yeah. So it gave the 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 feel the impression of everything always being action urgent. driven yeah, and exactly. urgent and you know all right we got to do this and we'll do this and it was sudden quick you know decisive you know uh decisions and it, it was fun it, it it worked very very well especially for his his game system
2: yeah it, it it did very much so he is he is he is up there uh in my list of of great gms he's mm-hmm. he is up there with I mean Scott Legault's another one who who doesn't fuck around when he's when he's running a game. It's like boom, 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 and his games are incredibly fun. And it's probably the quickest four hours that you'll ever be engaged in. <laughs> yeah. But keep it going fast like that and that'll minimize table talk because people won't have the time to get bored. Well, you also
0: have your particular player personalities that they need to be out in the front all the yeah. time and when they're not their character is not involved the player is now getting involved with the other players and that crosstalk and that table talk sometimes is very distracting we know who we're talking about
1: well, with that said i know we do yeah. yeah we do but with that said at the same time if it's a a really good player they will know when to back down or not back, well i shouldn't say back down but let somebody else move forward
0: Oh, that's true, but there's player personalities yes. that w- when they're they're in character, you know. All right, I got my two mitts, and it was right, that was beautiful. It's someone else's turn, and yep. now they're well. Why don't you do this? And then the next player, well, why don't you do this? You know, and that's part of table talk as well.
1: It it, it is, but that's up to the GM to say, hey, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, it oh, it is. Yeah, it is. Well, but it's up but to the for,
1: g- for newer GMs that may be hard because they may not want to hurt. And this is where I, I think a lot of problems come in. They may not want to hurt somebody's feelings. But if it's somebody that they that they're really good friends with, they may want to say, "Hey, I'm going to give you that extra minute." What's that word? What
0: treatment? No, no, that that, that f word for, for friends. No, the other one, f- fee- feelings. Yeah, oh, that's right. Could you Could explain. Ha- could you explain that one to me?
1: That's when you care for something or somebody. Oph, never mind. Move I was on. thinking of another f word. Boy, I was way <laughs> off base. I, I had to look at his face to see which word he was talking about. <laughs>
2: but that is probably what what you just guys just described was table captains. yes table captains drive me nuts. you know those players that hey, you should well, you had this spell. what you really should do if you're playing your character the right way mm-hmm. is do this. Well, I wouldn't do that if I were you because I know that you have this skill and in this situation this skill is better. but you should have put way more points into dexterity if you're going to be that kind of yeah, that kind of yeah. character
1: because and made intelligence you dump stat i've said this many times to me that's the video game player yeah yeah
0: oh don't you have those two magical items no one was around when those were given to me yeah, yeah but you have those you could use those but you don't know i you, have them. you don't know i have them yeah well yeah i do i've seen you write it on your sheet yeah yeah, yeah, and the i, I, I yeah I, I that really aggravates me and i'll i'll snap at them see i've been
1: lucky i haven't had that because i have the group that we've been playing with forever. And I don't think they really do that. No, I don't think there really is. No,
2: no, no, we don't, we don't have any personalities like that. I've seen it at gaming tables elsewhere where, um, and I haven't played D D with a lot of females because, uh, you just didn't have girls that played D and D back, back in our day. No, um, very few. But I've seen I've seen guys assume that because you know here here comes here comes a girl at the gaming table that uh, she's she's there to to pick up a guy first of all like geez where I'm in the market I'm in the market for a Mountain Dew slurp and overweight neck beard that's
0: uh, um supermarket no bar.
2: no too big um the bar no I don't think D&D I'll find table. them there yeah jackpot. Um, or the that they they have no idea what they're doing because they're a girl, and that's when I've seen a lot of table captaining is with uh female players. Yep, and I've known some girls that play D D like a big old badass. Oh yeah, and and they they crush it. Uh, but I've 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 seen a lot of the table captaining with with girls.
1: I think the only time I've seen table captaining is with new players. And I'm just going by with my with my daughter and her friends. They're all playing together for like the second time. And they're like, well, you can do this. You have these. I'm like, no, you can't. She's got to figure this out on her own. Yeah. Um, so it's really up to the DM to mentor and train the people. You know, This is your character. This is what you should be looking at. Not their stats or what they have. Now, if you know they can do something, you can. You can suggest, hey, I think you can hide in shadows and go around the corner and get something, but you should not be telling them what they can use or can't do, because you don't know what they can or can't do.
0: Right to that point too. It, if you have new players and one of them is grasping the rules a little quicker than the others, yep. that's going to turn into your table captain. If you, exactly. if you don't, if you don't reel them in, yep. oh no, 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 you have, you have, and just like Scott, did, you know, described. He's gonna go around or she's gonna go around and no, no, you have this and you should do that and you have this scale. Don't forget about that magic item. And it's like, stop. I think, stop. I
1: think exactly what you just mentioned. I had that with my son and a couple of his friends. They, you know, one of them played D D for a while. The other one was new. And my son was new, and they were like, and my son's friend was like, Hey, you should be you can do this, this, and this. I'm like, no, he can do whatever he thinks is on his sheet, and I will tell him if he can or cannot do it. You know, it's really about mentoring and training yep. them. Yeah, and that's and that's exactly what it is. It, and there's
2: a lot more leeway that I'll give to younger, especially you know, kids, young kids that are learning the game and when they table captain, it's probably probably because they're excited. And they're yeah
0: try, and they're trying to help. Yeah. Yes. They, they think and they're, they're being helpful. They
1: think they're being helpful, but it it's it's the beginning of a bad habit. But that right. also, right. you know, translates into some of the I won't say kids, but to the older um, folks, I should say older kids because everybody underneath me is a kid. Um are talking like me. Yeah, well, I'm a kid to you. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, but it's true. This, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but, you know, they still do the same thing. It, it, we just have to, as DMs, just to make sure that you're telling them, hey, slow down, take a breath, and let them work their own character.
0: There you go. The, the piece of paper in front of you is you. And and if they try, well, they have. I tell you what. What's in my left pocket? What? What's in my left pocket? I don't know why, but I don't know. Then how do you know what they have in their sheet? Are you looking through their pockets? Are you looking through their pack? You know, that's th- a good point. Concentrate on your character sheet. That's you. The rest of the world, you know, is, is everything else. That that piece of paper is the only thing you pay attention
2: to. And it, it is it is the DM's job to kind of nip that in the bud before it, it becomes becomes a habit. In in. Ex- Explain it. You know, this is, you got to let people develop their own play style. If, if you look at our gaming tables, there's a bunch of different play styles, a eclectic bunch. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, you know, Lou is Lou's play style is very different than Coric's. Who's very different than Jared's who's very different than, uh, Frank's. Mm -hmm. And Sin's play style is very different. From sins, from yeah, every every player on the planet. Um, so it's 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 one of those things where every you could give the same exact character to every one of those players, and their interpretation and what they do with it is going to be vastly different, mm-hmm. vastly different. So you have to you have to nip that in the bud because they're going to. They're going to be hemmed into a play style that doesn't suit their personality and think, oh, well, I can only play it this way, and that is not it at all.
0: So let's move on to the next point, distracting behavior. Luke, yeah. put your phone away.
1: Well, I'm Sorry. Put your damn phone away. I'm, I'm putting it away. Hold on. it just got to send us one more message. I am turning off it's the this- broadband. Instagram, social media. We got to do it.
0: Distracting behavior.
1: Yeah,
2: The um, the – the random dice rolling or the building of the, the dice fortress or the, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I'm, I constantly oh, want to, you're tap. a pencil tapper. Yeah. Yeah. You and sin both. Yeah, Sin's a pen, pencil yeah. tapper too. Um, or just like checking your cell phone, watching videos. Sorry. You know, anything that is, <laughs> anything that is d- distracting and not in the game. Right. Cause, cause you're,
0: you're focused on that one thing, but I can guarantee someone else is focused on what you're doing too.
2: Yeah. And it's probably more because that's why it's distracting. Yep. Exactly. And it, it it might be the DM who derails the DM story. You get a lull in the, uh, in the action or the presentation of the, the adventure, the scenario scenario for the week. And now everybody's derailed. Mm -hmm. I think the easiest way is just gently point this
0: out to somebody. Hey, do me a favor. Um, You're tapping your pen on the table could you just not do that oh okay
2: thank you. Have everybody wear socks on their hands at the table so they can't, go they can't manipulate objects like pencils or pens or
0: oh no because then it's like webbing it'll get even more dice in their hand.
2: I'll say how would we roll our dice Now that would be problematic you think
0: We'd, a D4 stuff to pick up now
2: yeah <laughs> I would
0: put, put a wool sock on your hand and try to pick up a D4 No,
1: but again this I think this one is really the G DM GM needs to at least. Whether it be you know pulling them to the side or just say hey we need to get back on focus and stop you know you with your tapping you with your phone mm-hmm. um, it's really up to them it, even though it can be hard because you can hurt somebody's feelings
2: it's it's table management here using the f word again but i i think that i don't i don't think that you run the risk of hurting anybody's feelings if if you have you know a reasonable respectable conversation with them and point something out maybe that they may not be aware of you know i noticed that you're constantly tapping your pencil um i don't know if you notice that
1: right but that could be coming from a a dm or gm who is not um afraid to to say certain things but those who are timid and are just taking this up for the first time they may not know how to approach that so that at that point you should say "We'll take a five minute break and then talk to them on the side yep
2: the the key to the key to having those, what some people may refer to as difficult conversations, is just understanding that if you were that person, how would you want the other individual to approach you about this? You know, what would make you feel okay about having that conversation if you were on the receiving end of it? And go from there. Because usually, usually it's going to work out well if you kind of put yourself in the other person's you know position. Give it a little bit of thought, you know, pick up the phone and call them. Hey, I want to talk about, you know, the Monday night game. Um,
0: preferably not at the table.
2: Right. You know, this, this this was really distracting what you were doing. I don't know if you were aware of it or not. And um, a lot of times I think they 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 may not be aware.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, it's it's just nervous habits.
2: Right. They're you know, they're doodling or they're building the little the little dice fortress there it's something that is probably just subconscious Mm -hmm. and they may have to work on it you know you may not come in on the next monday night or whenever your game night is and have it be all better it may be a little better
0: or it'll be progressive
2: right right not you know not every every player is intentionally disruptive disruptive or a bad fit for your group Uh, eventually you're going to run across one that is. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's when the conversations get a little harder when they're constantly being distracting or table captaining and and then those hard conversations get a little harder but they still need to be need to be had. Then they call in Bill with his Vulcan lack of feelings.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I was distracted.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about the next
0: one? <clears throat> little or no character backstory. Shame on you, Scott. I'm an orphan. All right, what about the rest of your backstory?
2: That's my backstory. I'm an orphan. Yep. I hate that. I Er, hate Everybody's dead. Whole village is dead. I'm seeking revenge on someone. I don't even know what to say.
0: I just, whatever killed the village, just send them back in. All right, there's only one little kid. It should be easy to dust him off. Okay, next character.
2: I know exactly what to say. Go back and listen to our episode on character backstories with Matthew Fillion. Definitely. One of my favorite authors. Yep. And he knows backstories because he writes for a living, and that was a good one. Matt's a good friend of the of the podcast, and we enjoy having him on. He frequents the dojo, he does, and he is a, a DM, a fine DM in his own right. And I'm sure he's run across some of these things. That every D,
0: every ire, DM yes. has has come across these, but the backstory. Um, you when you build your character, you're assigning a personality to that. To that character, that piece of paper, and hopefully, it's not just a a regeneration of the last several characters and the only thing that changes the name. Try to put a little bit more into it, but uh, that's the the lifeblood and the resource you're going to go to to build your character and continue to to develop your character. It's also the place where the game master gets. Information to include
2: you into the 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 plot story. Yeah, I think that's probably the most important thing. If you want to integrate a character into the overarching plot of the campaign, you have to have something of substance. Yes, in the backstory.
0: Episode one, the first episode of everything is usually like, oh Jesus, the first episode sucks because you got to find out where everyone came
1: from. Yeah, yeah, I. Well, I know when I write a backstory, I usually talk to Bill or Scott and say, "How does this work?" And then we will work on it together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to sometimes come up with different backstories for. I know I don't, we've played. I know probably I have probably thirty characters. So usually I'll talk to Bill or Scott and say, "Hey, how does this? How does this feel? Or how does this fit in?" And they'll help me, you know, mold that backstory into what we think is a good fit for the for the campaign
2: yeah and if you want like full player engagement you know as a player i'm i'm hoping you do i'm i'm hoping that you want more than just a hex crawl or a dungeon crawl you want something that's really immersive and you want you want you really want to see bits and pieces of your your character's story in the campaign to make it feel like a real thing and in have that investment as a player in, in the story so that you could be a part of the that kind of collaborative storytelling that makes makes the hobby unique amongst all
1: these other hobbies that are out there.
0: Yep. I had, when, a, I had a point and I completely lost it.
2: <laughs>
1: That's old age kicking in. Yeah, it yeah. is. Or yeah. it has kicked in.
0: Don't mind me. I was over here enjoying a mental margarita.
2: <laughs> when when you don't give anything for the DM to kind of sink their teeth in, you do yourself a huge t- Disservice. Yeah.
0: It's tough to develop your character when there's nothing to develop upon. And like yeah. Lou said, he talks to the game masters because your backstory might not fit at all into the the geography or the demographic of the, the the story you've written. And we'll flash back to we've mentioned this same example before where okay, everyone bring an elf and someone shows up with a orc barbarian. It's like oh, I said bring an elf, but this is what I want to play. <sighs>
2: Yep. misinterpreted the memo, yeah. I guess.
0: So your your backstory is going to help integrate not only to the story but to other characters as well.
2: Yeah, it is. It's And it's going to explain a lot of the interactions yes. that happen with other player characters and, and NPCs. There's a tremendous amount of gratification as a GM to see the look on a player's face when you – Integrate their backstory in some way, shape, or form into the campaign, and I'll bring up the example of Cork's character, Iskander. Iskander was a librarian. Cork's a very clever player. He plays his classes very. It's a rogue his his character, but his she was a librarian with rogue like skills, mm-hmm. but primarily a librarian, a learned person, and she learned from. Um, a a wizard who taught her a little bit of wizardry and that was it and then we we brought him into the end of one of our story arcs and he turned out to be kind of working with the bad guys and they had happened upon a few magic items and one of them um, was this elemental that when you gave it a, a command to attack someone when you mentioned a name it would not Stop trying to find that person and attack them until they've already found them and attacked them. So the party's making an escape because they were double crossed. And before Iskander goes into this portal, she whispers her name into this little figurine. He turns into a big rock elemental and goes after her old mentor. And like two years later, we were playing virtually after the pandemic. And I worked that into the little story arc we were we were working on. And he shows up again. But he's all marred up on one side because the elemental finally caught up with him when he was sleeping <laughs> and and got him. And there was a look on Cork's face of great satisfaction and, and pleasure. Having known that, okay, my, my backstory's become a part of, the overall story arc. He's involved in two of the two of the scenarios that I've been involved in. My elemental caught up with him. Didn't finish the job, but okay, left a mark. And then she had the opportunity to have a final showdown with him. And my dice, in in traditional fashion, <laughs> were rubbish, and and Iskander smoked them. <laughs> I just rolled so poorly. And he played so well. oh, the sweet flavor of vindication yes <laughs> and the, and and it's very nice to see as a, as a GM see yeah. that 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 look of happiness and enjoyment yep. uh from one of your one of your players It could be very, very gratifying. It all
0: stemmed from a nice backstory,
2: yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't even a backstory that was lengthy.
0: No, no, but it was a a point in the backstory that right. that became it, it grew its own life.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't have to you know it doesn't have to be a big big elaborate backstory. I think I think Cork wrote something maybe a, a paragraph, and that's really it, right? Yeah, you need you need a, a good chunk of information for the DM to work on, but you don't need to develop the character right out of the gate like you're writing a novel. I know I'm good for
0: anywhere between three to five pages on my backstory on average.
2: Yeah. Tom will give you war and peace. Yeah, he will. On on his character backstory. And it's detailed. Like really, really, really detailed. <laughs> and it's it's well written too.
0: Yep. Yep. But yeah, it's but it, it gives you more than enough. To work with, but something, uh, even if it's just a couple of paragraphs, you have to have a backstory because no backstory, you do not want to leave it in the game master's hands, especially depending on who your game master is. And that and that brings us to our next point: if you don't have a big, you don't have any kind of backstory, how are you going to get invested in your your characters or the story?
2: Right, that I, and that's one of those things that's going to keep it from happening. Um, players, characters that aren't invested, mm-hmm. right. DMs hate that. It's like I, I put together all this stuff. I've put forth all this energy. And there's a player or two at the table that just aren't invested in it. Um it's I'm like, going. It's to, like
0: it's like they're showing up punch punching the clock.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm just I'm I'm waiting till the end of the day. I'm going through my emotions and then I'm going to bounce. Um and it it may be because they didn't pay very close attention during session zero. Maybe mm-hmm. you didn't have a session zero. If you didn't have a session zero, you should. It's shame, important. Shame on you. Yes. And, or they just like, you know what, this is the kind of g- game I, I want to play, and whether or not you're running it doesn't matter. Um, I will sit in the corner and be upset that this isn't the game that I really, really want. And instead of doing that, Go find that game you really want. Right.
0: Cause all you're doing is dragging down the table. Yeah. Um, you're being a distraction by not doing anything, not contributing.
2: Yep. And it, it could it could be very, very distracting to the rest of the players where they're putting forth a lot of effort and you're just you're just sitting there. And it all goes back to your actions affect everybody else at the table's enjoyment. And it could also be
1: Maybe they're bored. Maybe it's not moving fast enough. Okay. Well, could it be that the expectations were set differently than what's being actually played out on the table? That could be it too. That could that that, that could very very well be it.
2: Maybe maybe you got and, and we're talking about things that players do that DMs hate, not the other way around, but I imagine one of those things that, that DMs do that, that players must really despise is when they, they lay out what kind of, what kind of campaign is going to be run during session zero. And then they switch gears in between session zero and session one, or maybe (laughs) like, you know, six months into it, it's like, okay, this is like a slapstick comedy now, instead of a dark gritty, you know, uh, Batman esque, yeah, type of type of campaign.
0: Well, it could be they came from another table too, and there it's all combat, hack and slash, hack and slash, hack and slash, and then all of a sudden you, it, it's very story driven, or vice versa. You go into a very story driven, and it, it's nothing but hack and slash. Or where, where's the development? You know, I just I, uh, XP's is not development, right? It's advancement, yeah, but so it's that, not development. That's
1: the player's inability to adapt, is what I'll call it.
0: With new players, they may not have the the
2: skill set okay. to do yep. it.
1: Yep, you're you're 100 correct on that. Every every
2: every table is kind of like a subculture, right within within the gaming community, and every every table has has their you know their their culture, their expectations, you know their norms and whatever have you. And it's it's sometimes difficult for someone to come from the outside into a table that's been together for a while and, and assimilate.
0: Well, we've seen a number of times, that even our group where everyone knows everyone, you have the same six people show up for six weeks and one person can't make it, but someone else can for the next three. The dynamic of the table has changed entirely. Totally. Totally. From, from that one person, the majority is still there, but that one person shows up and the dynamic of the table changes.
2: Yeah. And if, if you've, if you've played with someone, because I've I've been in situations where I've played with someone for years and then not played with them for a long period of time, uh, developed like a new a new table, and then they've they've come and visited the table, and it's like they're a brand new player. Yeah, you, you know the the dynamic is thrown because. Their their D D is is just played differently. It doesn't doesn't mean they're doing it wrong. It just means that it's difficult for them to assimilate because the play styles are so are so different. different. You know, the climate at the table is is different.
0: Now, if they're a skilled player, they're going to sit back. They're going to kind of ease into the table and get their bearings so they they can figure out how it. And it's a little bit more easy Considerably be more easy to get invested in the table and the character. If you, if you as a player, sit back and observe first. Don't try to, don't try to monkey wrench yourself in. It just kind of like oh, hey, I haven't played in a while, so I'm, you know, I'm just kind of easing back and just getting the feel of the table. The other players will understand. You yeah, know, interject where you interject where you think you need to interject, but as a player, you just kind of don't just go you know, go in there. You know, well, this is how I used to play it. Uh, okay, but that's obviously not how we're doing it now. And we're talking about things that the players are gonna do that the DMs hate. And they they get in there and also now you're you're almost back to table captaining again. Where it's like, well no, this is how you're supposed to do it. Um no, there is no supposed. There there is no right or wrong. There's your way. And yeah. there's our way. And those ways aren't jiving, so you as the player need to take a step back and f- it's not the table's responsibility to Make make sure you fit. You need to make sure you change your style to fit the table.
2: Well, yeah, when in Rome, you do as you do yep. as the Romans, or yep. so the saying goes. I think that's that's the double edged nature of our hobby. Is that the thing that makes it great is that you can you know the rules as they are are not the be all end all for the game, right. right? They're guidelines. So every every group, every table, whatever have you, is going to have their own unique house rules, the way Mm -hmm. the way they do things. And that's one of the wonderful things about the hobby. On the flip side, what that does is is you find very different table cultures. All over over the place. And it could be it could be kind of like culture shock for some (laughs) individuals. You know, and sometimes when you look at the way, you know, if you're a new player on a on a different table, you look at the different play styles, and it's something that's vastly different than than what you're used to. You it doesn't go, even
0: have to be a new player. If you've right. played with the same group for 20 years, excuse me, your your veteran player is kind of ingrained into a style. Yep. Yeah. And all of a sudden that table fell apart. Oh, I'm going to go to another one. You know, maybe you moved, maybe your job changed or in a time frame or days off have changed. Oh, there's another group I can game with. Yes, I can keep gaming, but you're a creature of habit now. And yeah, it, it's a little difficult, even for the experienced players, to try to change and fit into this this slower pace or faster paced, or there's a little bit more housekeeping in this game, or there's a lot more combat in this game. It's it's not the style you're used to. And you as a as a veteran player, may feel inclined or find it necessary to try to force your way in or force the table to play your style as opposed to the other way around. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a new player.
2: Right. It could be just new to the table. New to the table, right. And You're not new, you're just new to us. Yeah, you know this as well as I do, that the older you get, the more set in your ways you get. And sometimes it's... A little harder to be flexible. Hell than
0: no, I I am I am like a ninja. I am so
2: flexible. You're you're like a four by four chunk of wood, <laughs> or pressure treated, or, or yeah, or uh, a concrete pylon.
0: <laughs> I could see on occasion where you might think that
2: on, a, on occasion. <laughs> Yeah, concrete's
0: the, been known to sway in the wind. Yeah, I think. It, yeah, I mean, it <laughs> tornadoes, but yeah. yeah.
2: But you'll you'll run into these these the, the good example is is sitting at a table run by a GM at a convention. Yes, right. You will get to sample a ton of different GM styles. Some very similar to yours. Some yep. very very different. Very different.
0: That's the one thing I miss about the RPGA. Back in the, the heyday uh, the eighties and nineties, you had the the role player and gaming association, and you would go and it was basically a PvP at every table. And it's right who can outperform, who could out who knew the rules better, and who played the best, who stuck to their character, and and you graded everybody and you got points and you got awards for the higher points and things like that. So it became a very PvP you know, get your experience points thing. But you were constantly being exposed to different game masters, different play styles. And I think the vast amount of experience that I got was out of that being able to indoctrinate myself into any game system, any table. I could sit down and be comfortable. I, I'm yeah, you know, I could sit down at anything and within moments I, I okay, the rules, yep, got them. I'm good. Let's play yeah. this. Let's play the shit out of this. I and I attribute that to those days.
2: Yeah, I had an experience very, very similar to that. I went to I went to Carnage with with Chat, and we had all our games set up. And it was it was a convention, you know, the first live convention for Carnage since the pandemic. So there were a lot of there were a lot of games that were canceled. You know, GMs yep. just didn't either didn't feel comfortable. They they weren't agreeing with the mask mandates, whatever have you but our game got canceled one of one of our games so we're, we're wandering around and I'm I'm looking on tabletop events to see if there's anything open and I found this game where and there was like nobody signed up for it <laughs> I was like okay this will be and it's it was a game where you played house cats <laughs> so I said hey dude <laughs> you, you want to go make believe we're house cats and he's like well okay i guess so so we went and sat down at this table with this GM who's a very very different GM than me or you or any of the other GMs that that I know or have gamed with, and we selected our characters who were house cats. And had a fucking great time. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a sleeper, is what it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this guy ran his games very very different than I would have, and it was fun. It was it was crazy fun. I mean, we fought a turkey, gobble and, gobble, and a skunk and zombies and ghouls. It was just it was off <laughs> it was off the wall, but it was it was a good time. I don't know what my point and all that is.
0: <laughs> but well, I mean the point is investing yourself in your character. And in the yeah, story. Which- and the more experience you get, the easier it is going to be for you to indoctrinate yourself into another story, into another table uh, with a new group, uh, a new spin with the old group, and being able to adopt your, adapt yourself to that character, to that storyline, to that plot line, and run with it and be comfortable and have the people around you be comfortable with it as well. And I think a lot of that does come with experience, if not experience, an open mind. Being willing to do that. And I think that's where the important part is.
2: Well said.
1: And that's five things players do that DMs hate. We'll see you next time in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo or you can drop us an email at thedungeonmastersdojo at gmail.com. Thank you, and have a good day.